0: okay well good evening God bless you for being in church tonight how about you turn to second Peter chapter number two um, pastor asked me to uh, speak tonight which I'm, I'm honored to do uh, I thought it was a very good service this morning uh, just just saying um, I thought it was quite uplifting and uh, tonight also but because we haven't had the preaching yet but uh, <laughs> But I thought the morning was, was, uh, I found it quite encouraging. I I thought the, uh, you know, the opening song um, was Behold Our God. That was very stirring. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, isn't it true that when when God is being praised and exalted and worshipped, something rises up within us that says uh, this is right it ought to be so and we become participants in that would you would you agree with that because what it is it's the Holy Spirit you know he's he's witnessing in us that it should be that way so uh, I thought that was very very uplifting and uh, just uh, the music has been uh, particularly good uh, it was it was good again tonight and then Uh, pastor uh, preached for us uh, on the subject of rise up and uh, that's a challenge and I guess he'll illuminate that further but it's a challenge at a church level but it's also a challenge at a personal level you know what do I need to what do I need to rise up about what what's what's this call mean to me so it was a it was a good service today and uh, I enjoyed being Mm -hmm. here um, you know, I contrast it a little bit with when I'm in church in Thailand. And the first thing that's different when I'm in church in Thailand is a different language. And even though I, you know, I have uh, competency in Thai that's probably a bit strong, but even though I understand what they're saying and, and uh, you know, I can follow the course of the service, when it's not your, your, your first language, your easy language... Uh, you know, you, you, you try to participate, but it's, it's not, just not exactly the same. And, uh, but, but it's good for them, you know. So they, uh, they, they get quite into it and they, they enjoy it and God works. But for me, um, you know, just kind of being back and uh, being in a church with English again and, uh, and, and being in our church, you know, I, I've always believed uh, that God birthed this church uh, for a for a very specific purpose, uh, I really do. If if you knew the history of this church, some of you do, but it was really unique in the way it came to be. Um, just and, and the things it endured through the years, you know, it, it it's just it was a really unique place, and it was a unique place before I got here. Uh, it was really a unique place. I remember visiting the congregation of this church. Uh, back in uh, I would say it would be around 1986 or before and they were meeting in the kindergarten hall of Robinson Road at, uh, at Aspley so there were, and it was upstairs I think you had to walk or it seemed to or something that was my first visit were you there yes Mrs Blake was there and uh, I remember Pastor Blake and and uh, Brother Hunter and, and that was my first visit and so that would have been prior to being here. And then my second visit was, I came here, maybe my second visit was 1986, and I came here and I signed the visitor's book. I don't know where the visitor's book is now. Someone's probably used it for identity theft, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, there used to be a visitor's book here. And so I signed the visitor's book. And, uh, and it was just always a unique place here. It was, it was I, I, I felt when I got here, that somehow I had come home. And that's just my experience, but I I had come out of... I was saved into what a lot of people are going uh, into today. I was saved in a Pentecostal-type church. I was there for five years. I wasn't sort of saved and left in a month. You know, five years. Uh, I was a tongue speaker. Uh, I converted other people to speaking in tongues... Uh, I'm not proud of that but, uh, but I mean I was quite, I was, I was a zealot you might say and uh, I was there for a period of time but very clearly God led me out of that. And uh, I was not looking to leave but it was very clearly the voice of God. It, it happened to me two times where it seemed like I heard an audible voice. I shan't say whether it was or not but my feeling it was, it felt audible. And two times, and one time was when God told me to, that I was to leave that place after five years. The second time was when God told me to go to knock on Sawan. So it's not a common thing in life to be directed that way. It's a bit, that's not something we would say that, you know, you should wait on happening. So God led me out of that. And then uh, I was in the Presbyterian Church for a little while. And uh, it, that was profitable unto me in some, in some ways. And I, I thank God for that. Uh, but finally God led me here and um, it was uh, I never knew when I came here of course that you know I would I would be the pastor I I loved this place very soon after I got here uh, it was different I loved the fact that there was a bible uh, preaching I loved the fact there was an, an emphasis in this church about winning people to Christ it got talked about all the time whatever terminology they use soul winning or you know it's pre but it was just it was it was core to the identity of Good Shepherd Baptist Church it was a place that tried to win the lost and it still is and uh, so you know that was here and uh, the Bible preaching there was it was not it was not uh, limp it was always it was clear and, uh, and, it, and there were people always willing to, you know, say what needed to be said. There were wonderful Christian people here, you know, not perfect people any more than tonight's congregation, but very good people who sacrificed uh, a great deal uh, in their w- desire to serve the Lord. So the church has always been really unique. Um, they, I came here in, as pastor in 1995 uh, and um, July the 5th. And uh, I came here as pastor, Brother Sidney Hunter, who was a, a wonderful man of God. Uh, he was here. And, uh, and uh, Pastor Blake, Mrs. Blake, some others. Uh, and I came here as pastor. The church was smaller. We were meeting in the other the other building but it was a wonderful time and quite unexpectedly within a short time of my being here Brother Hunter went home to heaven and it wasn't a lingering sickness it was it was quite sudden and so um, you know there's, there's lots of stories but God has uh, really been present in this church I guess that's what I want to say that from its from its beginnings and I do believe that those of us who know should perhaps tell the story a little, a little, a little bit so that those who are claiming your part now uh, know that you have been planted in a place that there's a legacy. Um, it is the Holy Spirit that puts us into the body of Christ and, and the Holy Spirit will be the one who planted you here at the church. And so uh, it's good to be here Um, We have endured challenges in the past, and I would expect that they will have to continue to be endured in the future, Uh, and I pray that we will all continue to be faithful to our Lord first, and then to our church, but faithful to our Lord. I believe that this most likely uh, will turn out to be the church uh, that... uh, when the rapture happens, that we will, we will be here. I, I really believe we're that close and I won't dwell there because some of you will be like, yeah, we hear this all the time, but some will be persuaded in your spirit that I think this is so. But we do want to be faithful and it's good to be here. Uh, I do thank God and I would like to say it publicly for Pastor Lloyd. I thank God for his tenure here, uh, for his faithfulness. Uh, someone... Uh, who is not in the church, uh, said to me last week, uh, I know of no other man who at age 25 could have taken this ministry and preserved it and shepherded it and led it as Pastor Lloyd has. And uh, let's let's not be forgetful of the miracle of, of really what that was. And I don't know that he even fully grasped it at the time but, but I do believe that he was appointed by God uh, for that and, um, and I also uh, I thank God, I know that he and Cassie uh, have sacrificed a lot. Uh, there's a presumption sometimes, I'll say it, there's a presumption sometimes about the Lloyds and the presumption is that they're okay, they kind of do Okay it's just it's always been a bit that way but let me tell you that pastor and Cassie have sacrificed uh, a lot uh, including uh, financial sacrifice and uh, much more than that and uh, very seldom in the ministry do you hear a lot of positive comments they may be said but they rarely get to you Uh, but what you do hear a lot of is is the other so Look, it's good to be in church tonight. You're here. I'm glad I'm here. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. Um, the, the Word of God is opened. We're holding it. And uh, we have assembled ourselves together. We may have another week, but we don't know that. Uh, but we have now. And so let's try to draw near to the Lord. My prayer is tonight that God will speak to you. Uh, he'll minister to your heart in a way that it will uh, help you. So there'll be different things to different people. But I pray that for everybody. I pray that for Pastor Lloyd tonight. And I, I pray that for everybody that we'll get something. So I have a text. It's Second uh, Peter chapter number 2. I did not give the Bible reading to the, uh, to the schedule people tonight because I only had one verse and so I thought well I can read that <laughs> and so uh, it's second Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse number nine and I'm going to ask you tonight to, uh, to do what I do to, to just meditate a little bit on a phrase, a few words. what does it mean? Uh, what does it what is it what, what does it mean in, in what it says and And what does it mean to me? And so the verses, verse 9, it says, and I'll read slow, deliberately, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Let's read again verse 9 and this will be the portion of that verse I'd like us to meditate on tonight. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. And that will be my primary thought tonight. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. If we were talking about a friend who was particularly good at fixing cars or some such thing and a problem arose that got beyond our ability, we might look at each other and both of us might know that, you know, Bob, he knows about that. Call Bob because he'll fix it because he always knows what to do. And uh, what this is saying is the Lord and... Uh, He's your Lord tonight. Amen. So when we say the Lord, that means something to you because you're thinking that's my Jesus, that's, that's my Lord, yes. And God is saying the Lord uh, knoweth how to deliver. When we have a conversation with each other or another person, in the normal course of having a conversation with someone uh, and listening to somebody talking... Uh, we try to focus in on what it is they're saying. So we listen and we want to understand their, their, the intent of what they're trying to say. Uh, normally, we don't get hung up on a word or a particular word. We're, we're trying to understand someone. We, now, you usually only get hung up on a particular word when you're looking to do so. So if you've if you're, if you're already got an agenda or you're approaching a conversation through a paradigm of uh, judgment or, or a dislike for that person, you might get hung up on a word then. You might be waiting for it even. But generally speaking, when we have a chat with someone, our, our, we, we do it subconsciously, but what we're just trying to do is understand what they're saying and, and uh, we, don't, we don't get too hung up on the words about how they say it. Um, when Joe was learning English... He, he, didn't, he didn't go to a language school to learn English. He learned from just being around me. And uh, so he would he would many times mispronounce things and say things wrong. <laughs> and you know when you live somewhere long enough and you hear it so many times, it's not even funny anymore. you just you subconsciously move over it like you already know what they were saying. You don't you don't sort of snicker or, and I think they do that with me. It's inverted when I, when I speak Thai. Uh, but he used to say, when I would leave at the airport to go somewhere, he'd say, OK, uh, have a good fight. <laughs> and uh, what, he was, what, he, what he was saying was, have a good flight. But uh, the Thai tongue, there's a few, few of our vocabulary uh, you know, arrangements that they struggle with, but FL is one of them. So to put sort of flight, put the FL together so they can go light or they can go fight, but flight is, is tough. So whatever, you know, have a good fight. I'd say, okay, you know, love you, God bless you, see you soon. And I always knew what he meant. And I didn't worry too much about it. And I never corrected him. One day he came back. I think he'd taken Danny to the airport. And he came back, he was with me in the car, and he said, why are you not tell me? <laughs> And I said, uh, I said, what do I, what do I not tell you? He said, oh, I wish you'd tell me. Why do you not tell me? And I said, what do I, what do I not tell you? And he goes, you not tell me. It's not fight. It's not fight. It's flight. It's not fight. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you know, he said, oh, it's embarrassing. He said, I say to Danny, have a good fight. <laughs> and Danny said, what do you mean, have a good fight? And, and uh, I said, OK, OK, it's flight. But, you know, you'll struggle anyway. And... And so, you know, that's how we do it in conversation. We don't... We, we sort of... We, we, we figure if we get the meaning, we get the intent, we get the, the purpose, then we got it. However, what we have to remind ourselves that God's words, the word of God, is more than that. All right? So... So, what I'm saying is, it is not enough to approach the Word of God with the idea that as long as you get the concept or the idea that that is sufficient, certainly that's a good thing, but we have to remind ourselves when God authored His Word, He did not just choose concepts or ideas. Uh, or you know perspectives on things he chose deliberate words and let's let's just if you knew that already just bring it up again and if you haven't given too much thought to it think about it because it is one of the uh, one of the the discernible differences between our church and some other places that matter. They said, "What matter?" In our church, we understand that God chose His words, and we believe that God preserved His words, and we put great weight on the words of God. Now you say, "Well, doesn't everybody do that?" Uh, at other places, uh, they would sometimes be a little more. Uh, leaning to what I said previously, as long as you get the concept, the idea, the general thought, that's, that's really it. Uh, but, but here uh, we value the fact that God has chosen his words and preserved them. Uh, they, the other thing is called dynamic equivalence and dynamic equivalence means as long as you communicate the idea, the words are not important. But let me ask you, uh, would you want to play with the words of God like that? Would you, would you want to take it on yourself to say, look, as long as, as long as people get the general idea, the words don't really matter. Uh, I want to tell you the words do matter. And leaving out words changes things. and and there are there are whole, we call them versions of the Bible that are, that are, that are put together on the concept of dynamic equivalence. Rather than honouring the particular words of God, and there's more to it than that, but let's just say it's a point of distinction here. And and why not say it? We're not we're not putting anybody else down, but we're just saying that look, you're in a place that has thought about these things and uh, has a, has a history and uh, and a, and an established pattern of honouring the word of God and and preserving the word of God. So the words, it's words, not just. Not just uh, concepts. Uh, when you read the words of Jesus, are you still with me? When you read the words of Jesus, you find that Jesus had, uh, should I say, the ability? I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just him. But what he would do, he would use a few select words and say very powerful things. And I encourage you when you read the Bible to slow down. And I encourage you to meditate more on the words or, or a, a, a small group, you know, but to really to, to hear it like God said it and he chose to say those things. And, and what, what does all that mean? And Jesus did that. And so the words, you know, as we read in our text, this, the six, six, six important words, they're all important. Every word of God is precious. And, but uh, verse number nine, here's, here's the six words. So would you, would you just sort of consider it a little bit here now? The Lord knoweth how to deliver. The Lord knows how to deliver. Now, so let me ask you, the Lord the Lord knoweth how to deliver. So let me ask you, what do you think that encompasses? What, how broad do you think that statement is? The Lord knoweth how to deliver. Let, let me ask you this. What do you think a statement like that reveals about God and his abilities? When you, when you meditate on it, the Lord knoweth how to deliver. What does it mean for your situation? What what do those six words mean for where you're at right now, for what you're going through? So this week has been a reflective week for me um, because uh, my mum's Alzheimer's has got quite advanced now and uh, and uh, so she's, you know, she's forgetful of a lot of things. So I've sat with her about three times this week and uh, and I've enjoyed the time. But, you know, there's a lot of things she can't remember. And uh, I've had to meet with my brother and sister and this hasn't happened since, you know, since I went to Thailand. And So we're just getting at a place of life now where it, some of you have already been there. You cared for others, so you're, you're understanding. Uh, but it's been a reflective time for me to... Uh, to, to think about that um, and uh, you know I told pastor I drove back to my old high school that I, I, I stood at the place wasn't far from here it was called Nashville State High School I stood at the place this past week where I walked out of the school for the last time fence is the same um, the uh, you know the tennis courts are still there I used to play on the, that corner where the Kid threw an apple at me and hit me. That's over there, and and it's all still there. And and when I left school forty years ago, uh, I really remember it because I had I had not done well at school. Um, I had no I had no university to go to. I had no college. I had no job. I had no uh, as much as a kid can have qualifications. I don't really have any. Um, my parents didn't, no longer felt an obligation to care, for, to to feel like that it was their responsibility to take care of me, and uh, it was over. It was it was over. Everything I'd known about what life was—waking up and getting up and going—and it was over. I was walking home, and there was no school on Monday. It was done, and I remember having a very—I I can remember the feeling. It can revisit me still, of. What's going to happen to me? What, what, what will I do in life? What, how will I, what am I going to t- take care of myself? What, what's going to happen to me? And I walked home from Nashville High School to my home, Brackenridge, with that thought very much on my mind. And I retraced those steps this past week. I, I went back and I said, yes, yeah. so I walked and I got out I parked my car and I stood at the same spot. And it's been 39 years, 40 years this year. And I stood at the same spot. And I thought, it's been 40 years. And I felt like God say, uh, and will you indulge me? I think it was just the Lord trying to encourage me. But uh, I felt like the Lord say, you've been a success. You made it. And do you need to tell yourself that sometimes? I think you do. I think sometimes that counters some of the negativity that you might be telling yourself. You need to sometimes celebrate your successes. And you do it knowing that the Lord gave them to you. you you're not claiming any, any might or, all. Uh, but, but, but the Lord was just showing me. See, you, you stepped out in that time and you, you did have nothing. And, and, but you're not that today, Wayne. you have uh, 30 years married this uh, last year so, you know, the Lord has worked. So I've been reflecting on a lot of things. I'm reflecting on things that people have been going through. And uh, there's a season, uh, Pastor mentioned it this morning, where it's been a difficult time. Uh, I think that's an understatement. There's been, it's been very hard for many people, and it's getting harder. Uh, I said to my wife, we sat and looked at each other this week, talking about mum's Alzheimer's and some other stuff that happened, and... I said, "Uh, honey, I said, do you remember when every golden book always had a happy ending? (laughs) And you've got to be a certain age to enter that. And and, uh, she uh, she said, yeah. I said, honey, life ain't a golden book. (laughs) And she said, yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of you have been going through struggles. Uh, A lot of you have been bearing things. Uh, They're different things but a lot of you have. You haven't all chosen to share everything, but many of you have been going through uh, considerable uh, uh, hurt and uh, difficulty and questioning and all of that. So our text, the Lord knoweth how to deliver. What is it that the godly need to be delivered from? What, what, what is it that we would have to be delivered from? We've already been delivered from hell and death. Amen? Uh, you've already been delivered from that. Thank God. But uh, sometimes there are other things you need to be delivered from. You might need to be delivered from something that is going on externally to you. So I'm talking tonight about a particularly vexing situation that is, is troubling to you. And, uh, and it's, it's been going on for a while now and, and it's uh, wearing you down. You might need to be delivered from something external. You might need to be delivered from something that you're going through internally. Um, you might be going through uh, some kind of a mental anguish or you might be unwell mentally Um, I have good friends in the ministry who have seasons of uh, depression, um, other things. It could be an internal thing that you're going through. And and I'm going to come back to the Lord knoweth how to deliver. It, uh, It can sometimes be a situation, a dangerous situation, something that looks overwhelming to you. And uh, and maybe you feel there's an imminent arrival of a bad thing, you know, coming, perhaps it's that. Uh, What is it that the godly need to be delivered from? Sometimes it's an impending judgment. I think our world uh, is in the dock, has been found guilty of grievous offences and is about to be sentenced. How many people believe that? How many people believe that we are on the cusp of a judgment of God? How many people can see that Australia uh, has has gone from a nation that reverenced God, and I'm not overstating it, that that, that, everyone was always born again, but a nation that reverenced God uh, to to a nation that uh, respected God from a distance Uh, To a place that uh, uh, forgot God, now to a place that is aggressively hateful towards God. And uh, can you see that? Can you see it coming out in every different avenue? Uh, I said said to one of our federal politicians, who I, I won't say up here, still in the parliament... I said to one of our federal politicians, uh, I would say it was two years ago, uh, and I said it to him in Parliament House in Canberra. Uh, We were walking uh, in the back aisles of Parliament House, Canberra, and I said, you need to pass legislation to protect Christian freedoms now. You, You need to act now. You've, you've got to... It's a perfect time that if other legislation is going to come in, that you attach to it the protections for people of faith. And, uh, and, uh, and I, uh, you know, that was... Uh, uh, ..questioned a little bit, like, if that was really needful. Does anyone doubt tonight... That, that we, it looks like we're going to have a change of government and, and that legislation is still not in place. It, seem, it seems like we're going to go into a change of government now where the previous mob have had their, their years to do something about this and have not done it. And there is a hostility in our culture towards Christians Social media has empowered people to be more angry, more aggressive, more defiant, more bold in their sin, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's no longer out there. It's, it threatens to, to come in through the doors and meet us even in this place. And so there's an imminent judgment is going to come if you're not saved tonight um, then you are in a church and I don't know how you got here but your highest priority is to seek the salvation of your soul tonight and, and know Christ tonight that you do not get caught in this coming judgment that is going to befall the world uh, but you, you will not be part of that if you're saved um, why will you not be part of it well be, the, our, our verse is in context of Lot's deliverance and you remember Lot Uh, Lot was living in a place that was going to be judged and burned up. And God intervened to deliver Lot. God would would not allow that the righteous should be judged with the unrighteous. There's a little bit of doctrine there. Because if you go all the way back through the Bible, one of the characteristics of God is, is that he separates. So he began to reveal that right back in Deuteronomy when he said when you sow a field don't mix your seeds. And people thought that that was a a statute about seeds and sowing and farming and it was, but it was a revelation of the character of God that God is a God who separates. And then God said with your with your with your with your garments don't mix your your different kinds of Textiles, your threads, don't mix them, keep them separate. And they say, well, what is that? It's God separating. And then you follow it through and you find that he also separates from the sheep, from the goats, and the wheat from the tare. And so God is not willing, God's not going to leave Lot in judgment and God is not going to leave you here when the tribulation befalls the world. You will be raptured out. You'll be taken out and you're not going to be left here because he's not going to judge you uh, with those who do not know him. So that's a good thing. You, you've, already, you've already been rescued from that. But sometimes God does want to deliver us from things. Let's make some statements and conclude. First statement is this, that when we think of our text, the Lord knoweth how to deliver. His first statement is this, there is nothing... The Lord cannot control. There is nothing the Lord cannot control. And we need to digest that. In Daniel 6, in verse 27, we read... He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. God is the God who can deliver and rescue and help through anything. So, so you know, meditate, churn it over a few times in your mind. There is nothing the Lord cannot control. Nothing. Not lions or dragons or demons, mental health issues, marital problems, financial stress, family issues. There's no string too knotted that God cannot undo it. Remember, as so you go fishing, when you, particularly back in my day, I think fishing line has evolved. But, uh, you know, back in my day, you'd go fishing because I always used to buy the Kmart stuff. I never had any money in and you'd go fishing and you know you'd you'd throw out your you'd turn the reel. We the thing called alvey reels, ask your grandfather, and we'd turn it around, you flick it out in the line and, and often it would just go into a gigantic knot. And you'd hear someone say from the other side of the mangrove, ah, grapes. <laughs> and that meant that it was all in a Sometimes you'd walk past diligent people or poor people who couldn't buy, and they'd be trying to undo them all. And if you've ever had a massive knotted fishing line, it's just overwhelming. You know, you you just you, you try to pluck it apart, and it just it's it's extraordinary how it does it. And uh, I used to just cut it off. But you know, there's no there's no there's no grapes, there's no tangle, there's no mess where God says, I, I can't fix that. There's nothing the Lord cannot control. Now, when we doubt that, and no one's going to say, I don't, I don't think anyone will say, oh, no, I disagree with that, or, I think there are things the Lord can't control. I, well, maybe you would, but, uh, uh, but, but we think it. And do you know why we think it? Because things are happening to us that are distressing and uh, if you're like many of us who are already saved, it's not the first time you've been distressed. So you will, you will rise up to the challenge and you'll try to endure and you'll try to keep going. You'll pray, you might have others pray, and you will, your hope will be that this is going to get better, that this will fix itself, that somehow it will get better. But if it persists and it does not get better, it might get worse. It's going to wear you down. And as it wears you down, you'll begin to wonder what God is doing. Not like, what is he doing, but like, why isn't he doing something? And you'll you'll begin to have questions about, there is nothing the Lord cannot control. And when we do that, when that mental thing rises up in us about, all of what's going on. What we're doing, we're actually doubting God's, probably not his ability, because you know better than that, or not his strength, but what you're really doubting is God's management of a situation. That's what you're doubting. You're questioning if he's managing it well, if it's really if if this is how it, it should be going. And it rises up in us and, and what can happen is we have trouble reconciling the thought that God is in control with what we're actually going through. And it becomes very hard. That was Job's anguish. More, more, I think, more than his actual loss. It was the anguish of not being able to understand or reconcile why God had allowed these things in his life his friends drew conclusions. They didn't have too much trouble reconciling it, but they were just wrong. But, and I've been at that place in my ministry. I've I visited it where I thought, what's, you know, what's going on? And, and why is this not getting better? And I even have good suggestions for God. I, I really do. I have good suggestions. And I, I, I tell him, if you just take this away, everything will be better. I tell him. I say, and I know you could do it. And I come up with, like, helpful hints and good suggestions about what the Lord could do that would help me, which will help everybody else. And I've always got some thoughts there for sure. Uh, But it can be hard reconciling what you're going through with what I just said, that there's nothing God cannot control. And what you're really saying is, I just, I don't understand what he's, I'm questioning how this is all working. But if your way, with this thing, whatever's going on, if your way is different to God's way, then truthfully, even if you could have your way, it wouldn't be the best way. Whatever God is doing in managing your situation now, it's the best. All right. Now, I don't expect you to say, Yeah, it really feels like the best. It probably doesn't. But it is the best. If God followed my advice, which I freely give, and said, uh, you know, you should just stop this, take away this, or I suggest you just kill that one outright. And, uh, you know, I've got lots of good suggestions like that, how we can fix this and bring it to a, a, you know, a, a speedy resolution. If God had followed my advice on those things, I will not be getting the best you understand? I, I'm, I will be defrauded eternally and I'll get to heaven and go, snap, I defrauded myself. Snap, he was setting me up for reward and why didn't I see that? Or I'll defraud myself of some better thing that God is trying to do in me right now. And that's what we have to understand, that, that God God is able to control things, God is working but we can question his management of it. And when we question God's management of a situation, how does God answer us? He does answer, but he's answered in the Bible. This is the answer when men say to God, what are you doing? Or I think this should have been better. Or, you know, if I had your power? I'd, uh, all of that. Uh, this is what God says. And this is about all he says. And you can read it in Job 38, verse 4. He says this, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. That's his answer. His answer is, You're questioning me. Where were you when I laid out the foundations of the world. Do you understand it? Speak if you do. And, and simply God presents himself as God, all-knowing, never-failing, ever-able, all-wise, all-loving. He just presents himself to you like, that's my answer. When you question me about what I'm doing in your life. When I see those things, you know what it does to me? It it makes me feel little. And something in me rises up that says, Worship. It's like, it's like meeting him and hearing when you say, what's your name? I am that I am. It's very profound. It's God presenting himself to you saying, look again. I'm God. Don't question me in this process. And I will not explain to you. And you would not understand if I did. And so you have to yield that God is in control of all those things. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. Can we say, secondly, every delivery has a destination. If there's a deliverance, then there will be a destination. And that means that before God started the process of putting you in a place that you're going to be delivered unto, he has a destination in mind. And his destination will be a purpose. And it'll be a high purpose. Now, if you are of the privileged ones who have been ushered in to be vessels where the Almighty would work his purposes in you, you are a you are a chosen one. You are a you're, a, you're a selective vessel. You're numbered with a few that God says, "I've set my love upon you." And I'm going to pull you in and I'm going to work my purposes through you. And you become you become a very special person. David was that one. Now the complexity of it is that you're involved in the process so so let's here's David quickly remember David says I'm going to number the people you, you've read it Joab says why doth my lord the king have pleasure in this thing why could, could you why, why do you do this David says go ahead and do it God judges it as a sin uh, an angel comes with a sword that slays 70,000 you know what's going on now never mind about numbering the people, you've just had a big numerical setback. And now there's a leadership crisis because you led this. You, this you, 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 you presided over this. So, so now he's got, he's got a leadership crisis. There's a numerical setback. 70,000 people have died. God sends a prophet to him and you'll find a pattern with David. Whenever God wanted to say something to David, he didn't bypass the prophets. So it may be that what God is saying to you, he's trying to say to you through a prophet, he's not going to say it to you direct. Why does he do that? Because he has channels he works through. And even a king, even a man like David, who he, where he had a heart for, you know, there was just a way where God would speak to David, it would come through a prophet that was still honoured the channels. The channels are always important. So David, the prophet comes and David is told what to do. He makes his way to a ruinous threshing floor. You've you got the story. I could never do this in Thailand. He makes his way to a threshing floor. They'd be going, huh? who? what do he say? And uh, David buys it, and it becomes the site for the temple. And the temple is significant in the Bible, even talked about in heaven. So all of that sort of came out of, was there a sin involved? Yeah, sort of. Uh, well, yeah, but, but God led. And then where David makes that sacrifice on that threshing floor, you read on it's the same place that fire fell from heaven on Solomon's temple. So what is that, Pastor Shemesh? It's, it's a whole series of extraordinary purposes coming out of a single event that nobody could possibly have understood the depth of it at that time. And I'm saying that that is also what is happening with you when God brings you into his purposes. Was it grievous for David? Depending what part of that story you want to visit, there's some very grievous parts. It just really depends on what part of that whole thing you want to come in. But in the end, there is is an extraordinary purpose of God has worked itself out. And and that's how God works. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. David was delivered from his own thinking. There'd be no numbering to people. That would never become a problem again. David was delivered from his own thinking, his own sins. David was delivered from a grievous situation that was afflicting others. But David was delivered from something, and here's the important part, unto something. He was delivered unto a revelation of God... And a course for his future. A future focus became clear through all of those processes. And that's how God works. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. A delivery has a destination. And it means you're on there. Three years, God will always ensure that you are sufficiently strengthened. All right. The normal way that God will strengthen you through these things is that he'll use others. He'll use other people. But on occasions, people will not be there for you. Now, sometimes you'll say nobody's there for you, but there are people there for you. Sometimes you'll say, I need help, and God will say, I've tried to help you. I sent people to you. I spoke to you of this. I've raised up comforters, but you will not receive it. Sometimes it's that. But on occasions, uh, you might... Find yourself in the purposes of God where you do not have a human comforter and my my exhortation to you tonight is that God will never leave you without strength and if people are not there for you he will stage a personal intervention and he will come for you and I'll give you two examples of that he came to Jesus when Jesus had no man but, but Jesus asked, pastor mentioned that this morning, Jesus said, pray with me. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Pray with me, help me, come, help me through. pray with me through this. But they weren't there. Verse uh, 43 of Luke 23 says, and it's often overread this, by the way. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So God said, right now you don't have anyone, I know that. So I'm going to get involved in a deeper way for you. But I will not leave you to go through this alone. Isn't that good? See how much he loves you? How many have experienced this? You've been somewhere and you've heard a child crying A little child is crying in pain. It's a genuine cry. If you're a parent, you know those cries. How many of you have heard that and it rises up in you, that poor kid, someone needs to help you? You're immediately affected. Now, if you're younger and you don't have kids, you probably go, why is that kid being so noisy? But once you've had kids, you learn that cry and you get moved immediately, you hear it. When my when I, when I saw Justin's daughter Ashley's cried a couple of times when I've been around, it makes me cry. I, I think help her, someone help her, go 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 sweep her up and buy her a fairy dress or something, you know. But <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it moves me. I've been on a plane and I've heard a I've heard a child crying, but it, it's beyond just a whinging cry. It's like, a, you know, a hurtful cry, and something rises up in you that says comfort. You know, you've know, got to hold yourself back. And I'm saying to you that you have a father that hears that cry in you and it rises up in him to, to come to you and to comfort you. And he will try to send people to you, but in the event that there is no human comforter, he will ensure that you are strengthened. He will not leave you to not have any strength. And so he sent an angel to Jesus. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that no man stood with him. And then he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And here it is, strengthen me. The Lord stood with me. He said, everybody, no, there wasn't anyone available, but the Lord stood with me. strength. That's the promise that you have from the Lord that that through all of this, the Lord knoweth how to deliver. He will, he will ensure that you are strengthened through the process. And I'm going to finish. I'm just going to say it. You know, we have to learn to rest in what I call the grace place. And the grace place is in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul had a, a thorn that wouldn't go, but he also had a desire that it would go. Is that you tonight? Do you have some situations or one in particular that hasn't gone and won't seem to go but yet you still very badly want it to go and yet you have neither it's still there you haven't got your wish so you're in a place that we call the grace place that's the place where god meets you and says your situation is not going to go away right now but i will give you i know you want it to go away but I will give you grace to be able to get through your situation. And the end is this, and I just want to say it, I love this. And dwell on the words a little bit. God gets glory through his works, his ways, his witnesses, through judgment and mercy, through big things and through small and through the triumphs and the troubles of your life, God gets glory. God is never outsmarted. God is never outmaneuvered. And that's, that's not a discussion, that's a declaration. It is that way. His hands are always upon us. So the Lord knoweth how to deliver. Have confidence tonight, as dark as it may feel. There is nothing that the Lord cannot control and it will work under his purpose. Let's have a word of prayer together. How many tonight as you bow for prayer Uh, would say you know pastor I acknowledge um, not just before men but I acknowledge tonight before God that uh, I have a you know something going on in my life a situation something happening in my family uh, a particular vexing thing that I have prayed about for quite some time and uh it's here, I know it is I thought about it tonight when I heard the preaching, it came to me several times and uh, I just, uh, I acknowledge that and I pray tonight that God will just help me through it and help me through the message tonight to just be able to keep going and rest in his purposes. How many would say that I, I felt God gave me something tonight about what I'm going through? Was there people like that? Yeah, there's, a, there's quite a few like that. OK. That's good. You, that's good. Well let's pray together, shall we? If you, don't, if you feel, well hey, I'm doing great tonight, This is a bit, look around, there'll be someone else you could pray for tonight. So I'm going to listen a word of prayer, and then uh, whatever comes, a song, music, a finish, whatever. But let's pray together tonight. Father, we love you, and we, Lord, we're so thankful that you set your love upon us some of us a long time ago and you have loved us and Lord none of us tonight would charge you with being a negligent father no Lord you you've been there beside us and you've helped us you opened our eyes to the truth and you opened our heart to your salvation Uh, you allowed us by the new birth to become your sons your children and we we, we, we we love you Lord for that and Lord you don't have to do anything for us we still love you you've done everything already but we do pray tonight father we pray that in the uh, the uh, the preaching the talking the scripture the examples um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, We pray, Lord, that as you've spoken to people tonight, you would also grant strengthening. And I pray particularly, Lord, tonight for an extra measure of strength. I pray for those who know that there are difficult things ahead. Uh, I pray for those who have been anguished about a prayer they've prayed many times, and yet seemingly that has not yet lifted. Please comfort the brethren. Please strengthen those who are suffering tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would receive glory, glory, glory from our triumphs, from our troubles. All glory be to you, Lord. We acknowledge you as God, the only God, the great I am, the ancient of days, the eternal one, uh, the ever-existent, the all-wise, the almighty. Lord, there is none like you. All fall down in thy presence. Uh, All, all, Lord, humble themselves at thee. And we, we, we bow the knee, Lord. We bow the knee. We bow the heart. We pray, Lord, subdue our thoughts. God forbid that our minds would lead us on to thoughts of recklessness that are contrary to your ways. Help us with that. Bless our church. Help us tonight to retain what we should from the message. Uh, Bless our, uh, our pastor tonight. Thank you for him. Thank you for Cassie. Thank you for the children. Bless and bless our church. May we be found faithful up to the trumpet. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.